Good morning, Rock Bible Church. I'm a little depressed. I was informed during first service that I have aged out of the young adult ministry. I appreciate you um, laughing about that. Much nicer than first service was to me. Which, that's okay. I told him you were my favorite service, so. <laughs> we had a little good time. Hey, uh, thanks, Megan, because last night was awesome. Student ministry, thanks for the announcement, and well said. Uh, and I just want to reiterate, there are certain ministries in the church that don't happen without you guys. You know, what's it take to run a church and have a student ministry and have a children's ministry or a missions ministry or pig any of them? Right, and so thank you so much, um, and and the turnout last night and the fun. You guys are actually enjoyable to be around. <laughs> I know sometimes you doubt it. You you know you you're at home by yourself and you wonder do people like me? Yes, yes, we love you. It was great last night. Although uh, I'm on a streak now, two years, winless. Uh, but that's okay. I'm used to it. I'm a Raider fan. You know I'm just. And, uh, but I, it was kind of fun to see a few people playing like six cards at the same time, go through the whole light and didn't win a thing. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> sorry. It was so, uh, so fun to just see the excitement still and the donations and um, letting us send kids to camp, winter camp, summer camp. Uh, what's, what's it cost to do anything these days? You know, you can't buy anything for 20 bucks anymore. You know, it's just amazing um, where culture's going. And to have a group of people that are committed to the Lord and committed to their students having a shot at understanding what most of the world rejects. We are in an uphill battle and we're winning. Right? Oh, wait, so maybe my winless streak is over. We're winning something else. Um, so again, just thanks thanks for that, and, and we'll continue to have things go on within the church. Uh, forgot to mention, uh, for service, but the floor in the Fellowship Hall is almost done, okay? That's very exciting, and it also means don't go in there. Somebody, buddy, somebody went in there the other day, went under the sink, turned the water source back on and tried to use the sink. Water went everywhere. Tile guy's freaking out because the grout's not in and the whole thing and mopping and the whole deal. It's like, we got this major job. Caution tape? Like, when caution tape is up, we all understand that means do not cross, right? Somebody forgot that. And uh, we got a great tile guy and he salvaged the whole thing. Uh, so Joe, and I'm hoping you get to meet him, because uh, he's awesome, but we'll see if I can drag him here on a some event, some Sunday or something. Anyways, uh, but that's exciting. So we're going to have a, a new fellowship hall floor soon, and then we'll follow that with paint and some stuff, and maybe we'll get a new something or the other. I don't know, whatever, uh, but very exciting. And thank you, because uh, that's another thing, another example of something you make possible, right? And so when we have a uh, men's ministry or women's ministry or different events going on, and we've got a facility that's functional, uh, it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference because it looks like we're actually trying rather than we're doing average. We, we all signed up for exceptional church, right? If we're doing average church, I'm going home, right? So thank you because uh, it seems like we continue to get to do exceptional things. So thanks very much. 
Um, ushers, we already did like the uh, Bibles and outlines and pens to follow along if you want to do that. If, if you still need that, wave at Dan. He'll get you. And I think Stacy's around here somewhere. So she'll get you too if you need any of that kind of stuff. We're going to continue in our series, Is There a Doctrine in the House? It's a pun. We're going to explain it a little later, probably after like the second fill-in or something like that. Um, but you sang something this morning, and I want us to draw attention to it. Uh, even before we pray, because I think to set up our prayer, set up our time, you, you saying the bottom two lines are identical, so now you know what we're looking at. I know I will never be alone. We sing that with excitement, with devotion, and, we, and, and man, how great is that? Um, you know, we say that because of who God is and what we're talking about. Uh, and you know, outside the church, outside of Christians, there's a lot of people that's not exciting. They're okay with being alone because being around God is scary or painful or they don't want to be controlled or they got a bunch of misconceptions about what that's going to be like. So they'd rather go it alone. That's a rough place for them. I want to make sure we're on the right page as we study this stuff and understand uh, why we do this. Um, because it'd be, it'd be easy for us to say, you know, why are we doing a doctrinal series so that Rock Bible Church can be doctrinally sound? And no. Man, that sounds boring. Uh, no, we're doing it so you understand the, the depth, the length, the excitement, the success of what a real relationship with God is like. So you can walk out of here and, and people that think that being alone is better, will hear something different from you. They'll, they'll pause, they'll question, they'll wonder, they might even engage with you. Uh, hopefully you're engaging with them and drawing them in. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Dr. Number 4, that we covered God and others five different times. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, he is in the business of reconciliation reconciling his creation to himself. Uh, good morning and welcome to God and creation. Doctor number five or six, if you want to count last week, because Jack Roberts was here, filled in. Thank you so much. Publicly out loud. You did God and grace. I said, uh, Jack, come do something, do anything, do whatever you want. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing theology. I've been talking about God. He says, awesome. I want to talk about God and grace. I said, go for it. Apparently, he was a little excited last week, <laughs> quoting books and the whole thing. And uh, so thanks, Jack. And, uh, and thank you guys um, for letting a wise leader come and be welcomed and appreciated and honored and continue to serve the Lord as amazing as he is. Okay. And I think he, he sometimes is like a little dumbfounded. He can't believe that a younger guy like me would be so promoting of him. And I, I think he still is confused about that. But that's okay. We're going to keep promoting him until he finally gets it, right? So uh, so let's pray and find out why we never want to be alone. All right, Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the fact that you are the creator. And pray that this morning we would um, honor that, worship that. And may that this morning we would glorify you in what we do. But at the same time, Lord, that you would teach us facts, information that help us understand kind of logically what are the ramifications? How, how is this a payoff for us? 
What is the blessing in this for us? I, I pray, the Lord, it'd be abundantly clear uh, that we could walk out of here excited and educated. Man, if that were true every Sunday, Lord. Uh, but we pray it for this morning especially. Be with us in this time, uh, this passage. May it glorify your son. Uh, and we pray it in his name, Jesus. We pray it. Amen? Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, I know for some of you it's like, man, are we ever going to leave that chapter? Well, it's where it all starts. And we get most of our uh, great doctrine and theology starts right there and just like takes off. You know they say family tree? Like a family tree, it kind of starts here and it kind of goes down and you know, kind of branches off here and there. Um, I like to joke with my family, we don't have a family tree. We got a family bush because it branched so fast, so it just like that. Because um, we're not really traditional in our you know, too many divorces and things like that, and everything's turned out great. But I think uh, it's a better picture of theology because it kind of starts and it just goes all over the place, right? Forgot to share that first service. There's another second service I have for you. Uh, so Genesis chapter one, we're going to get started, and we're going to talk about creation this morning. The first four we did were God and as Himself, God and you, God as Trinity, and God and others. I wanted to get you into the whole God thing and get a nice foundation, at least those four corners or pillars or whatever, so that you could get going. And now we're going to start breaking from that and exploring all the different ways and areas that that plays out. I told you there was a book, and I told you we're going to have to wait. Some of you were difficult. I want the book. The book is here, and it's out in the back. Uh, first service bought almost all of them. So uh, thank you again for being awesome. Uh, we set a number. We thought how many we would use, and they're pretty much gone. I think there's four left. They're in the back. They're free. Uh, we got a tree in the back that grows them, apparently. Uh, but if you want to make a donation, uh, I think we, we were asking for like $15 a piece if, if you can afford it. If you can't, no big deal. Just take one and say, hey, this is the Lord blessing in my life, okay, and believe it. Uh, and then if you are already blessed uh, financially, you could maybe pay twice for someone else who did it free or whatever. But we're going to order more of these this week. So by next Sunday, if you don't get one of the five that are left or somebody can wrestle me for this one when they come up later, um, we'll have more next week. Okay, but part of the reason I held off in getting this book out to you guys is it starts with creation. Chapter one of the book is creation. I didn't want you to get distracted with creation while we're talking about God. Hence, I made you wait. Okay, this is a nice summary of Gr Wayne Gruden's larger book, Systematic Theology, which is actually uh, one of the ones I went through in seminary uh, and I lived and so uh, this is a great way for you to get really all the necessities out of it. If you, wanna, if you really want the other book, it is called Systematic Theology. And yes, I have already lent out my copy of it. So you can ask and I'll say no. Right? But you can, uh, uh, when I get it back, you can borrow it from me. Uh, so creation uh, is where we're starting today because it's like really early. In the beginning, God created, right? So we're five English words into this phrase. It's not the same in Hebrew, but we're not going to get into that today. Um, first thing that we're told about God is he's active. It doesn't say he was worshiping or eating or binge watching Netflix. What's he doing? He's creating, right? Proactive. It says 
he created the heavens and the earth. We're not going to get into heavens today. Doctrine of heaven will be later. Doctrine of earth will be later. Okay? But the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Do you know what that's actually saying? You know, some of us who've been in the church so long, we've heard this enough times, you've read through it, and especially if you start one of those Bible reading programs, and you're like, oh, we're starting at Genesis 1-1. You start reading away, and it's like, how far can I get? And I'm going to need you to jump. Uh, what's that second sentence about? Earth was formless and void. What was going on? Nothing. In fact, we're going to find out there was not even light yet. Cracks me up when my kids say, I'm kind of bored. Are we doing anything today? Or what's the plan? Or whatever. There's a, like a thousand things you could do today. Back then, you know what you could do? Nothing. There's nothing. And here's God. Does it create a little anticipation? A little bit of, uh, okay, where's this going? Right? Watch uh, what, it, what it does. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters... So we got water and we have a spirit. We have God and we have nothing else. What's happened in those first two verses? What anticipation is building? With the information you've been getting given to start with, what's your next question that you, you want to lean into? What's next? Is something going to happen? Because right now there's nothing. Some of you are even more technical. Wait, there's waters? Where'd the waters come from? Huh? Huh? When were those created? Get over it. First two verses are doing this, if anything. They're telling you there's nothing. The anticipatory question is, will there be something? If there's something, what will it be? What will it be worth? What's going to happen? Any scientists in the room? Come on, people. Don't lie to me. We like science, don't we? Yeah. If you like a mechanic, if you like a dentist, if you like your doctor, you like pretty much anything that you do in life, you love your scientists, right? The ones that develop the flat screen. <gasps> oh, I love them. Scientists are going to start to have problems all right away in the first two verses. Why? Because if that anticipatory question is, is something going to happen? They know if it happens, it's going to happen from nothing. And what we know in science, one of the basic fundamental rules of science is what? You cannot get something from nothing. I love that God is coming out in the first round just duking it out. You want to know what's going on? Let me show you. I can do something from nothing. He's picking the fight right at the beginning. If you want to go just science, you're in trouble. If you want to do science and God, whew, rack them up, let's play. We are going to have some fun. Because God's about to basically say, look what I can do. And it's exciting. Because something's going to come from nothing. And it's going to take almost nothing to get something. And God said, verse 3, let there be light. And there was light. Might be one of the most powerful sentences in the Bible. 
Where was light before this? Are you sure? How'd he do it? Had a nice little discussion in between services today. Where did light come from? Wait, sun doesn't show up till day four. Moon doesn't show up till day four. Stars, day four. Where'd light come from? We're going to start to have scientific problems, okay? Depending on how you look at it. Or we're going to have zero problems with science, depending on how you look at it, okay? Let me drag you through this. Drag is such a rough phrase. Let's guide you through this, <laughs> okay? Uh, let there be light, and there was light. Just by saying something, what immense power, right? And God saw that the light was God separated the light from the darkness. How, how do you have light not separated from darkness? What's that mean? See, so let there be light, and there was light. And then the next sentence he says, let's separate light from darkness. And you scientists have trouble now? How do you have light that's not separated from darkness? Man, that's troublesome. Problematic. Is there more going on than is being described? You kind of know that just in the angst you're having with the logic not fitting. Let me solve that for you. Uh, welcome to poetry. Storytelling. Is this an experiment? Is this, this lab results write-up from an experiment? It's not. It's art. This is how Hebrews tell stories. Jews tell stories. It's a great way for us to look at who's doing it and what they're doing. But I want you to recognize you're not going to see anywhere how it was done. And you're kind of really not going to ever see when it was done. Because it doesn't say in the year of our Lord, 7,487,000,000, whatever, year, that's the year. It doesn't give us the year, does it? Right? So, who and what, not how and when. All right? God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Where's the sun? I told you. Where's the sun? He's in, he's in uh, three more days. How do you have days without a sun? You have to be God to have days without a sun. So what does day mean before there's a rotation of the sun? Rotation of the planet around the sun. Right, get it, come on. Yeah, how do you know if there's no light and no, nothing to gauge it by? Right? You have to be God, right? It's, it gets problematic if you try to look at it just scientifically, right? God called the light day, right? And there was evening and morning, first day. What's that beg the question? We've had a day now. Are we done? That's a question. It begs that question, doesn't it? It also begs the question, will there be a second day? If there's a se how many days will there be? We created this on the first day. What are we going to create on the other days? If there are more days and there are creative acts on those days, is there an order? If there's an order, what's the purpose and what's the meaning? Who's first? Who's last? We save the best for last or is just priority order? What are we doing here? And does God think like Western culture? 
It's all going to get messed with as we read it and try to keep our biases out of it. Uh, verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. How do you separate the waters from the waters and what's he even talked about? Talking about land? We said putting land in between the waters, maybe? Say no. No, it's not because we're going to get land in a minute and then you're going to, oh, well, that must have not been it. In fact, what we're getting at is probably heavens-ish kind of thing. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. What's the expanse? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You've got to be careful trying to come up with too many answers when in something that's symbolic. And nondescript in some areas and ultra-descript in others. God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let there be dry land. And it was so. You hear that repeating? And it was so? Is that to annoy you? Or make you feel like, oh, it's kind of repetitious and I just skip on to a better story? Or what's God trying to drill into your brain? When God says something, it happens. Which really makes me want to ask, is that still true? Man, I'm hoping. Man, I'm believing. Things that God has said are still happening. He's sending us a message, even in his creative act. There's evening, there was morning, a second day. Oh, sorry, we're verse 10. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. All right. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. There's our little phrase again. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. A third day. We get in a pattern now. Did God function in patterns? Ooh. Does God function in patterns with you? Hmm, that's kind of interesting. My mom used to tell me that all growing up, and I didn't believe her. She won. <laughs> God said, verse 14, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens and separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. We're going to get sign of our days, our days that we got back in day one. Now we got markers for it. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. We just got the sun and the moon. Hmm. God set, God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was... And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Hey, where are we again? Where's man? 
Not yet? Darn, it's not going to get interesting yet. Uh, Verse 20, and God said, let the water swarm with the swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across to the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was... How many things has he created? All of them? Is that what you're seeing in the pattern? It's going through different days and showing you how he's created every single thing. Right? Saw that it was good. Verse 22, and God blessed them. Whoa. We just got living creatures for the first time, and we just saw a word we have yet to see in the Bible. Blessed. And I want to ask you, if he's blessing people in or blessing things in the first chapter, is he in the business of blessing? And we're going to ask the question, will he be blessing more? Will be a blessing in the future? What will he be blessing? Why does he bless? These all imply there's a plan rather than I'm just creating stuff by throwing stuff against the wall. I hate that phrase. Let's just throw some stuff against the wall and see what happens. I'll tell you what happens. A mess and then a cleanup job. That's not how God works. He's got a plan. right? We're going to cover that when we get to um, fill-ins here in a bit. Uh, where are we again? 22. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Still no humans? Okay. Seventh day is going to rest. All right? We're actually not going to find that out in chapter 1. We find that out in chapter 2. But if you rest in chapter, in day 7, and you haven't had mankind in days 1 through 5, any guesses on when man's going to show up? I went to church. He made me do math. (laughs) And God said, verse 24, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So we got animals, mammals-ish, right? Day six. What were the animals that were being created day five? Fish, birds, reptiles. You know in the evolutionary uh, hypothesis... Don't they think everything started with fish and reptiles and birds? And then in the creation account, it says we get mammals after we get fish and reptiles and birds. Is that coincidence or interesting? I call it interesting. God saw that it was good. At verse 26, where they were creating mammals, we're almost done. It's the end. It's halfway through day six. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and now we have had have something that has not happened yet in any of the creative acts have we had blessing yeah we had that with some of the animals already have we had creative acts where he says something and it happens and it was so yes here's the first time where they have a discussion about it first let's talk about this 
In fact, let us, plural. Who's talking? We don't have any characters, do we? If man hasn't been created, God must be talking to God. We had the Spirit over the waters. And we have God in the beginning created. Uh, Colossians 1 is going to give us in a few minutes, he's going to give us Jesus before creation. And they're saying, uh, not only will we have a conversation about it, but how about we do a creative act that is similar to us? Let's call it man. They're going to be like us. Now, uh, you were last. Because you're day six and we're at the end. But were you maybe first also? There's an argument for both, isn't it? So are we the most important thing on the planet? No, not really. Are we the most important thing on the planet? Yeah, kind of. Which one is it? Both. We've got arguments. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and uh, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We're going to break in a different style of poetry. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Three different ways he says, like us. Why do we need that phrase? We said, let us make. But have we, did we get the, and it was so? Not yet. We had a discussion. This is what we think we're going to do. This gives us, and they did it. And man is to be different. Special, I would argue, on some level. God blessed them, verse 28. Ooh, now we're blessing again. That might be becoming a pattern. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29, God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seeds in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird and of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Did we just, were we just given dominion over everything? Well, you know, some people like to think that as power or priority or privilege. How about this? How about responsibility? How about accountability? How about work? Oh, no. My job description just grew. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. Isn't it supposed to say good? We've been saying good this whole time. I thought you said God was a God of patterns, Scott. You made a big deal about it. All of a sudden, he broke pattern. <gasps> Can God break pattern? Yes, we call it miracle. I want you to think about that as you leave over the rest of your life. What we call natural, God calls pattern. What we call supernatural, it's just him breaking the pattern because he wants to. Whenever, however, to whatever end, he cares. He says, let's have a little fun. Let's show, let's show them something a little supernatural. That's great. Because we want a God of pattern, but we also want a God who can go outside the pattern if need be. We get the best of both worlds. 
It says that it was very good. And there's a couple different arguments on this. Some people like to say, well, you know, when God created all this other stuff, I mean, he did bless some of the animals and things like that. But when he got to man, he really blessed them, gave them dominion, and that's when he said it was very good. So we're really the ones that bring very good to the equation. Kind of. We can make an argument for that, right? There's a second argument that says, you know, really what we have is a, an, a, a creation account that is six days long that is meant to encompass everything. And when the whole of it is all done, he looks at the grander picture and says that system, that pattern, that finished creative act, that whole thing together is very good. There's good arguments for that, too. Uh, which of the two arguments do you buy? Rock Bible Church. The answer is not Jesus. Both. We're supposed to have dominion or accountability or responsibility or whatever you want to call it. Are we special? Yeah. But are we the most important thing in the room? No. We have job responsibilities and opportunities and God wants to work with us and still maybe doing creative acts. Yeah. So let's run with both. We're going to draw even more from that in a little bit. But we'll get to that. i got to finish one more sentence with you. All right? And there was evening and there was morning. Sixth day. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Amen? We're not through the whole week, but they decided to break the chapter right there. And I don't get it. We should be breaking the chapter in the middle of verse 4 in chapter 2. I got great Hebrew arguments for it and the whole thing, but we're not going to get into all that because you don't want to hear about seminary. Amen? Okay. Uh, but what a great account, storytelling, painting, Artistry, not lab results. We've got to be real careful that we recognize what we're looking at and don't get disappointed because you ordered spaghetti but they brought you pizza. You went to a pizza joint. You're going to get pizza. It's kind of what's going on here. And so um, there are great scientific questions we can ask, but we need to limit them in certain ways, and then we need to expand them in others. Right? What we scientifically want to do is we want to approach the passage and research it. Ask the questions, what's one of the primary things that we get out of this? One is that we get uh, a God who is a designer, an architect, and a builder. And behold, God saw all that he had made. What a all-encompassing, definitive statement. How much do we get credit for if it is all that he had made? We get no credit. Can we manipulate it, change it, determine values, redefine? Boy, those are fun exercises in futility. Who owns it? He does. Who designed it? He did. Who did the architecture stuff? He did. And then who made it happen? He did. If he entertains your opinion or your feelings or emotions or your thoughts, it's because he likes you, not because you own it or can claim anything about it. Which makes it even greater that he lets us comment, research, study, have opinions, be emotional about it. It's great that we have a designer, an architect, and a builder from verse 1 where it says, and God created all the way through verse 31 where it says everything that he had made. And then everything in between. 
It should force you, it should make you assume a bunch of things. You should be assuming then, ooh, ooh, Steve, very nice. Both verses together. First service didn't get that. Uh, it assumes meaning. There's a meaning for what he did, a purpose for why he does the things in the order. There's a direction for the trajectory of what he has created and where it's going. There are values that are assumed by him that he will impose over time. He gets what he wants because he has goals. And by the way, there's more, all capitals and bolded. It should be one of your favorite words that there is more in life for you, that he is doing more than you think or could ever imagine, that there is no limit to what you can experience with him. And it kills me that our culture, human culture, that is, I'm not talking about just the Estados Unidos, I'm talking about all of us that have red blood going through our veins and breathe air, that we think there's so many things that are finite or limiting, and gosh, if I don't get this, it's if I don't have enough friends, or if I, if I don't get to this title, or I don't earn this much, or I never get in a relationship, or blah, 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 you go on and on like, like it's going to be the end. No. It's just the beginning of next opportunity because God is always doing more. The, the greatest thing that God could ever say to you might be, no. Hey, I want to put it. God says, sin. No, we're not doing that. What? And you throw your temper tantrum and kick and scream and spin on the floor on the ground and like aisle six that you do at the grocery market like a little kid. And he says, oh, when you're done with that, you ready to get up? Because I had something else I want to do on aisle seven with you, but I had to get you out of aisle six. This is all the dried foods. There's no value here. <laughs> We're going to introduce you to canned goods. There's moisture, but there's not much more value. Then we're going to move you on to aisle eight. You know, frozen goods, but you got to dethaw them. Then we're going to eventually get you to fresh food. <gasps> God tells you no. It's on the way to yes. Knows one of the greatest words on the planet. We got to assume that it means that there's more for us. Secondly, Colossians one, and we're gonna we're gonna look at this passage seventeen and eighteen. Uh, accentuate it the most, but verses fifteen through twenty really asked to put up here because I want you to see like the depth of everything that's coming out of this. This is Paul talking to the church and saying, this is what Jesus, this is how he fits into the creative act, right? He is the image of the invisible God. That means he is the manifestation physically or human that we get to see, touch, listen to, be taught, do miracles. He's the firstborn of all, what? Okay. Firstborn in title and priority, not that he's a created uh, entity, and we're going to find that out in the next phrase. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Purpose. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I like, I think it's the New American Standard Version that says it this way, that in him he might come to have first place in all things. 
For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And there's our reconcile word, again, that was used five times in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now Paul's being consistent. Some people would call it a pattern. And that's kind of fun because now you've got reasons to read all 13 of his books rather than throw him out like some would like to because they don't like one or two things that he says. But what's the point? He says that God is before all things. All of his creation. He is before all of his creation and he is above all of his creation. Right? Well, let's, let's look at this. Because didn't it say, hey, let us make man in our image, like in the image of God, he created a male and a few. So aren't we kind of the same as God? No, we're like him, but not same. It's kind of like male and female. They're like each other, but they're not same, are they? Have you figured that one out yet? Okay. Uh, we need to understand that God is before and above all creation, and that we should never confuse the creator with the creation. There's an absolute distinction between the two. Because we can't generate something from nothing. We can't change form of anything. We can't redetermine value or change definitions. We are limited. He's not. He designed and created time. We didn't. He knows how to put light and dark together, apparently, because he knows how to separate light from darkness. There is nothing about him that is the same as us. And yet we get to be in his likeness. We get to be similar. You feel cheated or do you feel excited? See, I feel excited. Because when I sing with Bryce twice over in a verse, I know I'll never be alone. I don't want my company to be some inept entity who can't do anything. Somebody that I have to follow around and clean up after that won't come when I call him. Hey, come here. I don't want somebody that's needy as my partner. In fact, if I've got someone who's with me all the time, I want them to be before me in all things, come after me in all things. I want them to be above me, ahead of me. I want them to have the answers, to know how it works, and I want them to be clear on what broken looks like. And not just what broken looks like, but what's the solution to broken. And it's why I got so excited this morning when we start talking about communion. Bryce says, you want to do it? I want to do it. I decided to do it. I was like, you know what? He said, I know broken. I need an entity next to me where I'm never alone who can solve broken and does broken with me sometimes on purpose. Why? Because you're slow, Scott, and I need to get your attention. Man, that makes sense. I need a God who has doctrines, firmly defined, unwavering, non-negotiable, and says, this is how it works. These are the rules and always shall be. And when would you like to engage and cooperate with them? I've been joking. Our series is called, Is There a Doctrine in the House? Staff at the church has been lambasting me, eviscerating me, teasing me, calling me an old man, such a dad joke, what a pastoral pun, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I love the pun, doctrine, doctor. Because the real phrase is, is there a doctor in the house when something goes wrong? 
I've been thinking about this all week. Doctor. We go to see a doctor. Why? To solve something, right? Doctor's a title. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, do you know that originally it was not? Doctor is a noun. We use it as a noun. Hey, I don't feel well. I'm going to see the doctor. Noun. Originally, it started off as a verb. Hey, this thing's not working. I think I need a doctorate a little bit and see if I can get it to work. In fact, when you go to a doctor, what you're doing is you're trying to get them to doctor you a little bit. They want to change some things, fix something. You know, Mr. Berglund, you keep doing this. You should stop doing that. Maybe you'll feel better. They're, they're changing something. They're doctoring something. It's the same thing, the word doctrine. It's meant to change you, to help you. In fact, the entity that I want with me all the time so that I'm never alone, I want that guy to be able to doctor me, change me, fix me, set me straight, take the twist out, whatever it is, clarify, take away my irrational, and set me on the straight and narrow. And I need him to be different than a doctor noun. I mean, I love doctors. They're the best we thing we have on the planet for solving problems, okay? So I'm, I'm pro-doctor. And I want just to make sure we're not, you know, some churches like, don't see the doctor, blah, blah. No, 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 go see the doctor. God gave you doctors, right? But I need my God to be much better than a doctor. Because when I go to a doctor, you know, you know what I found out? You know what they call it? They call it practicing medicine. <laughs> what? No, 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 I'm not coming for practice. No, no, I'm sick. I'm not, my, my arm doesn't work no more. I, was like, I need you to fix me. We're, this is game time, not practice. I need to, my God to not practice on me. I don't want a God who practices with me. That sounds like he's experimenting with me, poking me, prodding me, mess with me. Is that the God you have? No, we don't have a practicing doctor. We have a doctoring doctor who has answers. That is one of the greatest joys that we get out of creation as a doctrine. That there is someone in charge who has all of the answers all of the time. Cannot get it. Amen. That's awesome. And it's so wonderful for us. And yet we go, well, you know, life's not really working. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in him or if he exists or blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's exhausting. When people come to talk to me. You know why? It's the same reason every single time. What? Scott, that's such a simplistic view to say that everybody's the same and they all have the exact same problem. They do. They're broken. The same problem every time. Hey, K Scott, can we meet? Yeah, sure, we can meet. You want to meet? Yeah, what do you want to meet? Pete's coffee? Yeah, well, why there? Well, that's where God dwells. Um, <laughs> we sit down, and we start having a conversation. You know, you know where it always leads? It'll start off like, hey, how's your wife? Hey, are you still doing soccer? Blah, blah, blah. I'll talk to them, ask them some questions, blah, blah. You know where it always ends up? This thing is broken, and I don't like it broken. Do you have any ideas how I can unbroke? This broken thing, that's the summary, right? Cliff Notes version. Uh, you know my job? <laughs> Funny, I'm showing you behind the curtain and the whole, I, my, my only job is to reconnect you with the doctor, the guy who fixes. Was I, I have tried so hard to have magical, magical powers and I have none, <laughs> zero. 
Uh, but he does. He can break patterns or keep patterns. That's what we're looking for, right? That's number two. Uh, number three, by the way, uh, God never does random. He did them by their kind, by their seed, by their, I did this on purpose, and I did it on this day, and then I did that, and the whole thing. And by the way, he, uh, he never does random. He never, ever does random. All right, movie people. Who are my movie people? Like, going to the movie, that's like, yeah. All right, Jason Bourne people, come on. Where you at? Yeah, Bourne Identity, Bourne Ultimatum, Bourne Supremacy, Jason Bourne, Born Again, whatever. I can't wait. I want them so badly to come out with a movie called Born Again. I just, for me, that would be the ultimate pun. And like Bryce and Brent would never talk to me ever again. But that's, I mean, it would just be such the greatest thing. There's a great line in that movie where all the uppity-ups are in the situation room. They got computers everywhere, screens everywhere. They're trying to figure out. They got phone calls and they're monitoring cameras all over the world. And they're trying to figure out what is Jason Bourne doing? And they got this one operative lady who's dealt with him in the past during the program that he was in. And they're having this big old discussion. And one guy says, well, you know, uh, is this just random? And she stops the whole room. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. They don't do random. Jason Bourne doesn't do random. And the whole room stops. It's as if she knew something none of the rest of them knew. And now they're all listening to her. Well, if it's not random, what is it? She said, everything they do is on purpose. There's a goal. There's an agenda. Worst case scenario, revenge. God doesn't do random, folks. And it looks like it sometimes. It's painful sometimes. We doubt. We don't know if he's talking or he's talking, but I can't hear him or whatever. But the reality is, he doesn't do random. He only does, and God saw all that he had made, and it was good. He only does good. And what's wrong with that statement? The whole thing's wrapped up with he only does very good. You don't like what you're going through? Why? I just told you a few minutes ago, if he's telling you no, it's to give you a yes later. If you're working on something and it's hard, it's painful, you're depressed, or you're not sure, or whatever it is. You got fears, joys, relationship, not relationship, divorce, or not, or who cares, whatever. You know where it's ultimately headed? It's ultimately headed to very good. He's do random. He only does very good. At the very, very end, it will be very good. What's very good? I was reminded Kevin, uh, Kevin Young. I don't get Kevin Young. His name looks like Jung, but he pronounces it Young. It's like Cam. What Dutch? I'm barely American. How am I going to speak? Anyways, uh, Hebrew. The way they will look at the word "good," they look at it as complete. Very good would be like very complete or beyond complete. What if God had a plan for you that it was not just complete, but beyond complete? Like even better than good. You know, that's what he does. That's all he does. You know, we're running around, you know, we're upset because, you know, so-and-so said that somebody posted. Have you seen the political parties? I don't know. There's not enough water. Something's burning. I lost power. Blah, blah, blah. Put your iPhone down. 
Might be the only thing that's not headed toward very good. <laughs> God only does very good. Okay? Lastly, God is still creating. God is still creating. Uh, was God, did God create or is God creating? Was God creator or is God creator? God is creator all the time. He never was creator. Was creator implies that it finished and it was over and it was done. As if he didn't do anything with Abraham or Moses or David or Jacob or pick a name. Hopefully your own. Pick your own name. Is he still creating? Is he still putting you in relationships or taking them out? Is he giving you opportunities or taking them away? Is he giving you talents or opportunities or resources so that you can be part of his ongoing creative act? Because he is in the business of creating. He is in the business of blessing. And he's not done yet, is he? Um, is, he never, is he ever done? No. What's that big word that I tried to force on you? I said it should be one of your favorite words. I put it in all bold and all capitals. More. He's in the business of more and next. That means he's still creating. Have you quit? When you walk in a room, do you bring very good? When you show up to the team, does very good start to happen? When you leave the team, what does the team miss? How's your family dynamic change when you show up? When you get that difficult phone call, how does the tone of the call change based on your input, your projections? your mind and your heart headed toward very good? Is your mind and your heart assuming that the beginning was very good, that the end? Revelation, by the way, I understand like 4% of it, okay? But it will be very good. And the question for us is everything in between, how is it matching with the ends? The beginning and the end. Because they're gonna be, they were very good, they will be very good, and how do you have very good now? Because that's our job. And you need to tell your face. You smiling? You know, some of you, I love preaching in front of you. Like, some of you, like, I watch your face and you're into it and you're smiling. Your eyebrows move and the whole thing. And it makes me want to, like, get closer to you. I'm coming off the stage. We're going to have this interaction. Some of you, yeah, not so much. You make me want to go back up on stage. <laughs> like, ooh, I need to stay behind the pulpit to protect me. What's your face do to bring very good to an environment? What's your money do? What's your time do? What's your presence do? What's your vocabulary do? What do you allow to spin in your head? What emotions do you say yes to? And what emotions do you say, not doing you anymore? Because God has called me to very good. He has created me for very good, and I accept. You need to join the very good social media page and click like. I'm doing very good from now on. That's what we're designed. That's what creation, the doctrine of creation does for us. Which, by the way, what about science? Let's look at this. 
We got this one? Oh, uh, God is creating, still creating, which leads to peace and reconciliation, right? That's from that Colossians verse. We're going to move past that now and on to what about science? Because I want to get you home uh, late, but not extremely late. What about science? Who did it? God. Over and over again, it says, and God said, and it was so, and he saw that it was good. Who gets credit? He does for all of it. What? What was created? All of it. When? In the beginning, that's all you get. Seven billion years, 700 billion years, seven trillion years, seven days, 24-hour period. I, you know what? Go have that argument never. All you get is in the beginning. Beginning of what should be your question? Something began. Engage in the began. Rather than the, when was that? How do I verify? I would like to duplicate it. Have you figured out you cannot duplicate God's experiments? Where? Everywhere. Period. All things. How? This is all you get. Let there be, and it was so. That's all you get about the creative process for God. That's all he seemed to think you needed to know. Because he wanted you to draw your attention to the fact of who did it, not whether the science worked. I guarantee you the science worked. I guarantee you that when you get to heaven, you can stand there with your list of a billion questions that are scientific, and he will answer every single one to the T. And not before. Why? Because it was very good. I love this book that we made available to you that's in the back, uh, Christian Beliefs. I love what uh, Wayne Grudem says on page 44. Ultimately, a proper understanding of science and a proper understanding of Scripture will not be in conflict. Page 44. Read the 43 page before it and read page 45 on. This is a guy that is immensely smarter than I am in everything doctrine and theology. He's absolutely brilliant. He took a toe-breaking book that's like this thick and condensed it down into something you can understand. If I can understand it, you can understand it. Read the book. But most important, and I can't believe I forgot this first service. Oh, what about science? I told you one of the main concepts of science is you can't create something from nothing. You know, it's an even better concept in science, probably even higher and more important. It's like the pinnacle of all science is the experiment. It is like one of the greatest things that science gives to us. That is your science for God. Do the experiment on your own. Ask him all the questions. He'll get them all right. And you know what? I have found that I kind of do get lab result write-ups from him. Not massive ones, but little pieces here and there that make sense rather than just mystery, that are detailed rather than just artistic. But I am trying desperately to understand both sides and all of it because I want to do the experiment with God, and I beg you to do it as well. I guarantee there's more going on than you know, and you will enjoy it the whole time. I also in, uh, believe with all my heart that it will hurt a lot often. You'll be confused regularly. But ultimately, you will never be disappointed 
because the end goal is very good. Next week, God and man, doctrine of humanity. Hope you'll be here. Lord, thanks for this morning and thanks for creation. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to ask the question, uh, who's that for for us? Who's that effect for us? Who are we in contact with? How are we engaging your creation that's on purpose toward peace and reconciliation? Thanks for letting us be part of the experiment, part of the game. That you're winning and we get to be part of the win. But I pray, Lord, that you'd help us with the hardships, the difficulties. Show us how to view, endure, be strong, stop our doubts. I pray, Lord, you'd fight depression in each one of us that somehow something was going to be over or lost or whatever, knowing that you ultimately win all the time. Show us how to do that. Thank you for this offering, Lord, and what it allows us to do. Things that you created called resources. And I pray that you would use them to further your creation and your will. And for those who guess, Lord, that they would feel okay with, just let the plate pass by. They can engage that some other day when they begin to call this place family, like the rest of us. We love you, Lord. We need you. Amen.